Okay, today's daf is Shabbos daf Mem Zayin Amar Aleph. We are on two lines from the top. Amar Rab Zera, Amar Rab Asi, Amar Rab Yechnan, Amar Rab Chanina, Amar Rabbi, Amar Amar Amar. He said Rabbi Rumnus in the name of Rabbi Numnus. Li Hitter Rabbi. So this is going back all the way to this uh, Rabbi Rabbi Romanus that to me Hitter Rabbi letalta machta ba'afra. Rabbi was mako for me. The taltel to move to handle a machta, a shovel, be'efra, with his ashes in it on Shabbos. So, what's going on here? We just left off the discussion, top of the page, was discussing the concept of a busis that if you have something that wouldn't typically be muksa, you have a box, you have a cup, you have something that's holding muksa items, so that itself becomes muksa. So, let's say you have a a, uh, a shovel in this case, you have this machta, and there's ephra in it, there's ashes in it, and we're going to assume at this point that ashes are muksa. What are you going to do with ashes? So, yet, Rebbe was mako that I was able to carry this machta, this shovel be ephra with ashes. So, that's, that's what he's saying. Se- seemingly, doesn't hold of the issue of buses. So, the Gemara says, We'll ask another question. Does Rabbi Yechanan really say this? Could Rabbi Yechanan have said that there's no problem of buses? But now we learned in the Mishnah later on. So the first halacha of this Mishnah is not really in a gear to our discussion. That is that a person is allowed to hold his son, even though his son is holding a stone in his hand. The Gemara there says it's a very specific case where the son has ga'aguim, he's yearning for his parent, and you're trying to calm down the child. But otherwise, a person is not allowed to hold a child if the child is holding muksa. So this does come up. Let's say your child is holding a, you know, a phone or something on Shabbos. But the truth is, we're going to get to that in Daf Kufmem Aleph from Abayz, so wait until then, in about 100 Daf from now. But the second part of that Mishnah is what we are asking. So the first part was not other benai ve'evn biyadai. So for some for some scenario, you're allowed to do that. I or you're allowed to carry a, a kalkala, a basket ve'evn b'seicha, and there's a stone in the basket. Ve'amar Rabba Barbachana, Amar Rabbi Yechanan. So we want we want the sheet of Rabbi Yechanan. Rabba Barbachana said the name Rabbi Yechanan to explain that Mishnah that that Mishnah which says you're allowed to carry a basket that has a stone in it. We're talking about a basket that was holding fruit. So you had fruit and you had stones. That's when you are able to carry it. Now this raises the con- this brings up the concept of a keli that's that's a basis. It's a base for two things. It's a basis ladaver ha'aser v'ladaver ha'motar. So. Your classic example, you know, for for uh, for men is shul. You have your stender, you have your shul stender. You put your car keys in there, your phone, your Tylenol, whatever you need to put in there. Plus, you have your talis and your sefer and all that other things. So halachically, that stender becomes a basis ladaver ha'aser ula mutter. It's holding things that is mutter and that is aser, and that's when you're allowed to move. We're going to see exactly how we figure out which one's more valuable. Whatever, we'll get to that in a moment. But Taimo, the reason why Rabbi Yochanan allowed them to carry this basket was because the Ispa Peri, it had fruits in it. Ha, oh, less bay Peri. If there were no fruits in this basket, it was just a plain basket which was holding stones. What would be? Loi, you're not allowed to move it. So obviously Rabbi Yochanan himself holds 
There's something called a basis ladavra aser. Taka Rabbi Yechanan quote b'shem Rebbe that you're allowed to be metaltel a machta. You're allowed to carry the shovel. On, on Shabbos, that only has Ephra, that only has ashes, Rabbi Yechonah himself holds that, you're, that there's an Isser of buses. The only time there's no problem of buses is when it's hold, it, it's, contained, it's containing something else as well, fruits. So the Gemara says, So Rabbi Asi was quiet. He was, means he was taken aback for a moment. He didn't respond. And then he answered like this. Va'amar hachanami. The case was the isba karatin. There was this, you know, granules of spice of smell, and that smelled good. And people would use that as some type of uh, I don't know hookah, something that smelled good. So in that case, the 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 uh, shovel was holding ashes, which were muksa, but it was also holding this karatin, and that people used on Shabbos to smell from it, and those karatin, those granules, are not muksa. So Amar Abaya, Abaya asks, karatin be Rebbe, karatin in the house of Rebbe, we know Rebbe was, a, was an usher, Rebbe was very wealthy, he had all types of fruit and vegetables on his home, and on his table, throughout all the seasons, the Gemara tells us in Avodah Zarah, so karatin be Rebbe, mi chashivi, what Rebbe, in, in Rebbe's home, they were chashiv, and what they, 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 these things wouldn't be muksa because they smell good. This is ashes. This is garbage. They wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't, you know, fly in Rebbe's house. So much as vechitim chazil aniim. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we don't really care what, what was chazil la Rebbe. We care what was chazil aniim. And since poor people would use this, this kratin, uh, this uh, the smelling of spice of, the, of these ashes, so it's not muksa. So the Gemara says, no. V'hatanya, we learned in Abraisa, when it comes to Tumah, we have this before, when it comes to Tumah, we say, big de'aniyim la'aniyim. That big de'aniyim, that the size of shalish etzbois, shalish etzbois. So even, so that's, if it's less than that, so then, it's only fitting for, I'm sorry, if it's above, if it's less than three by three, it's nothing. But if it's more than three by three fingers, so then it's tummy for aniyim. And the Ashirim were only would make things tame for uh, on items that are fitting for them. So it's interesting, you could have the same material and you could have a Shiloh. So if someone calls his Rav, he has a Shiloh, he touched a frog, and he touched uh, the frog touched his uh, his baguette. And the question is, is the baguette tummy? So the Rav has to ask him, uh, how, how much money do you make a year? You know, how much are you worth? If you're an Ashir, so this clothing is not valuable, so then it's not tummy. But if you're, if you're an ani, so then in fact it would be tummy. So that is true by tumma, and we're going to assume, and this is how it's born in Shulchan Aruch, the same is true, you have subjective halachas when it comes to muksa, right? For one person, you know, uh, I don't know, half a tissue is worthless. For other people, it's worth something. So depending on a person, so that's the value, and that's the concept of muksa. Now, what's the svara behind that? The svara behind it is very simple. When we discuss muksa, there's no iser of, of, of a napkin on Shabbos. The point is, this wasn't muhan. This wasn't prepared for you to use on Shabbos. So it depends on where, where you're holding in life. If a person would use certain things on Shabbos, so then it's muhan for them. If they're never going to use it, then it's not muhan. It's not prepared. So the same thing would apply when it comes to these napkins, these uh, this crotin, this granules. Even though you're right that a ani would use it for a good smelling, you know, a good smell, uh, Rebbe wouldn't have ever used it. And if Rebbe wouldn't use it, we're back to square one. We have a problem of muksa. 
So that cannot be the answer. There's a halachic concept that even though something might be muksa, if it has the status of a graf shara'e, which literally means a toilet, but if you have something that smells or that's disgusting, there's a halacha that you're able to move it on Shabbos, even if it's muksa. So a classic example would be a garbage can. If you have a garbage can sitting in the middle of, 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 the, of your dining room and it smells, you're allowed to move it. Maybe at the end of the year we'll discuss the general. How are you allowed to move a garbage can on Shabbos? How are you allowed to bring it to the table to, to clear off your table on Shabbos? Isn't it muksa? But either way, to take out the garbage, you're allowed to take out the garbage on Shabbos, assuming there's no is, is, issue of carrying, but you're allowed to take out the garbage on Shabbos because it's called a graf shelter A, or a diaper, or something along those lines. So if, the, if it's disgusting, it'll be mutter. So Abai is saying that in Rebbe's house, this karatin were so, you know, junky that it was re'eh. They wouldn't want to even smell it. It was a cheap man's, you know, perfume. So Amar Rav, Rav says, Shtei tshuva ispadavar. Two things that, that, why you're wrong. Chada, first of all, graf shari'i me'is. A graf shari'i is disgusting. V'haylai me'is. This is not disgusting. It's not fancy. It's not, uh, you know, sophisticated. But it's not disgusting. That's first of all. V'oid. Second thing is graf shari'i megali. Graf shari'i is open. And that's why it smells. Vahimakasi and these, uh, this crutin, you know, uh, shovel had a, it was closed on top and had some uh, perforation in order to get the smell out. But it wasn't an open bedpan or you know something that was that was a grav literally. And therefore, you cannot invoke that heter. Just by the way, the Paiskim discussed this. I remember on one of my uh, smicha tests on Hilcha Shabbos, so Rabbi Reisman asked me this question. I wanted to see if I knew anything. So he said, let's say a, a child, Shabbos morning, he uh, goes into the, uh, your, your, uh, your pantry, takes out a box of macaroni that's raw, and spills it all over the floor. Are you allowed to pick it up on Shabbos? So someone asked me this Shiloh on Pesach. How about that? The child went into the uh, pantry on Pesach. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't pasta, it was, it was Cheerios. Spilled it all over the place. A very interesting Shiloh. There's guys, chametz, whatever, whatever the halach is in that case. But forget about Pesach. Hilcha Shabbos. You have pasta all over the floor. The halach is a food is not considered edible. It's muksa. So your classic example of raw food, bismanazeh, would probably be raw meat, raw eggs, um, you know, different things that people would not eat in that state. So the question is, what, what could you do in that case? So, of course, you went through all the, all the you know, using a broom, maybe using your feet to kick it. So he, he wanted to know if I would hold that, is this called a graf shari? Is this called a graf shari? Where a person will look and say, this is disgusting, this is not stick. I have all this noodles all over the floor. So some, some of the pies can indeed say that it really depends on the person. If to you it's disgusting to have pasta all over your floor, so then it, you, you could be mekel. However, if you look at the ran on the sugya, it sounds like it has to be somewhat mias, like really mias. Pasta is just not neat. It's just messy. It's a very, very interesting question. But either way, Rav is telling him, how could Abayah say that the reason why in base Rebbe they were able to move it out was because it was a Graf Shari. It's not disgusting. It's, a, it's not a sophisticated smell of you know, perfume, but it's not Mias and Vaoid, Graf Shari, Megali, Vahim Makasi. And this is covered. Elama Rava, Kiavina Be Rav Nachman. I'll give you a different tariff. He went to Rav Nachman's house. Have a metaltalin, they would be metaltal a kanuna. A kanuna is like a, a, either the art calls it a, a, a brazier where you braise meat in it, but that's a fancy, uh, if, you, if you Google brazier, you're going to get a fancy, uh, you know, hotel commercial kitchen piece of equipment. 
fascinating how we kosher it. You know, when you kosher for Pesach, you have to kosher those things. So there's a question. This is, all, this is totally off, off the topic. But there's a question in halacha. If something is used with uh, liquid, you need to do Haggalah. So Haggalah, we love kashing with Haggalah, 212 degrees, not too bad. If something is used without liquid, and it's like a grill or, or a, uh, you know, a treif, brazer making braised meat, halacha is you need to do libun. Now, libun on treif has to be libun gumber, 900 degrees. You got to blowtorch it. So you need to blowtorch a $5,000 piece of equipment, you get a little nervous. So there's a question when it comes to a brazer, a brazer they use a very little, a small amount of liquid to make their, you know, a little bit of stock to make their uh, pulled beef or whatever they're making there. So it's a very good question. Either way, I just saw the, the name brazer here. So there you go. So that's a, that's a brazer. But the, the ancient brazer had this had coals in it. So you had this kanuna that already burnt out. And agav kitma, because of this kitma, which again, this is this, uh, some, some dirt in it, there's ashes in it, that before Shabbos, they had in mind, they're going to use these ashes for Shabbos. Va'afagav leha shivri eitzim, even though there's shivri eitzim, broken pieces of wood, broken twigs on this kanuna, on this grill, on this brazier, still because there's kitma in it, there's this ashes that they would use it on Shabbos, what would they use it for? Either they would spit on the floor and they would cover it, or they would use it in the bathroom to cover to cover things there. So since we spoke about this yesterday at the end of the shir, there's a way of, of uh, being uh, setting something for Shabbos. Meaning, even though typically a rock is not, uh, a rock is muksa, if you set it aside, I'm going to use it to prop up my door, prop up the window, that works. So here, too, they had this ashes that they would set it aside for Shabbos. Even though in this piece of equipment there was the shivra eitzim, Rava tells you you're allowed to move it, agav kitma, with this kitma, because of the kitma, because of this ashes that they were going to use on Shabbos to cover their spit, so that makes it mutter for Shabbos. So the same thing over here, that would be the same thing that goes on by this case of Rebbe, that in base Rebbe, they would move this shovel because it had some ashes that they had in mind before Shabbos. They were going to use it to cover the spit. So they asked him the cash of a shovin. If you look at the, the Mishnah, Mandal Manal, if we just had it, that Veshavin Rebbe Hudan Shimon, Machoikis, when it comes to Muksa, they agree that. <laughs> that if this candle, they were talking about an old candle. So Rabbi Shimon holds the problem when it's lit. Rabbi Yudah holds it's always a problem. The Mishnah said, and they agree, if there's bro- broken pieces of wick inside this candle, you cannot move this candle, even though there's oil in it. So I have something good in it, I have oil, and I have I have broken up pieces of wick, so what's going on here? You told me that whenever I have a buses, I have something that's a base. Just remember, buses, base. It's a base for heter and iser, meaning muksa, non-muksa. We're allowed to move it based on the, the non-muksa use. So a person's allowed to move his shtender and shult. He, need, he needs to move the shtender when he's davening, to, right? For non-muksa use. I, there's, there's car keys in there, there's a phone in there. Yeah, but he has a sitter in there, a talus in there. So we said, you're allowed to move it, you're allowed to move these ashes because there's some things in there that you're going to use for something. However, the Mishnah clearly said, when you have this candle, this candle holder that has oil in it and shivrei eitzim, shivrei psila, broken pieces of wick, you're not allowed to move those candles on Shabbos because it's shivrei psila. But hold on, there's oil in there also. Isn't the oil 
Heter. So the Gemara says, This was taught in, in Galila, in the Galil. And there, this, the cotton wicks were considered a uh, commodity. And they were chashiv. And since the muksa item was more chashiv than the little bit of oil left in the candle, halacha is, we say that it is a basis lemuksa. Now, based on this, you have a lot of this, many discussions in halacha regarding, let's say, our stender case. So a person takes his, I don't know, a $1,000 phone, and he puts it in a stender right before Shabbos. What does he have in his stender? He has some old copies of some, uh, you know, some divrei tyra, and he has a few tissues, maybe, uh, I don't know, some Listerine packets, but I don't know, people have all different types of things in shul, in, in their stenders, okay? But he has a few things. How much is it worth already? A few dollars? So how do we judge what is considered more chashev? The Gemara here seems to say that it goes by, you know, in, in your area, if in Galila, the shivrei psila were chashev, so that, that's what it goes by. If you look at Rashi, Rashi sounds like it goes by price. It goes by dollar amount. So many times, especially if you have a phone involved or car keys, the dollar amount is going to weigh a lot towards, the, towards your muksa. Right? Let's say a person has a drawer in their, in, in their kitchen where they keep plastic forks. And right before Shabbos, they put a $10 bill in there. Usually the $10 bill is going to be more chashiv than your whole, you know, whole drawer of plastic forks. So how can we be makel and say it's a basis l'davar aser l'davar hamot? Now the truth is, there are some of the achrenim that say, in a chanami, you cannot be makel. You have to go uh, you know, take, take a, you know, an accounting course and figure out math, mathematically what is worth more. Your, your, uh, what is worth more, your, your muksa item or your non-muksa item, and based on that, you make a decision. However, there's a famous sheet of Rav Moshe Feinstein, it's found in Rav Vosner's farm as well. Many of the poets can say that if you're going to use the non-muksa item on Shabbos, let's say it's a siddur or a talis, the classic example is your Shabbos table. You have a table on Shabbos, and you want to be able to move the table on Shabbos, but you have, let's say, people, some people light the candles on the table. They don't have a uh, separate, uh, you know, stand for their leichter. So if you have a leichter on your Shabbos table, and you have chalos on there, so many people want to say, invoke this heter, that since my chalos I'm using on Shabbos, they sh- that, that should outweigh the leichter. Now the truth is, for most cases, you could say that. You could say it by your drawer. When I have plastic forks in the drawer, I'm going to use my plastic forks on Shabbos. So to me, that's more chashiv than the $20 bill. However, when it comes to you know, your Shabbos table, the Shabbos candles, are you're using it on Shabbos. That's your Shabbos candles. You can't say I'm not using it on Shabbos. I am getting some of the uh, chashivas on Shabbos. And therefore, there are poiskim. If you look, many poiskim are machmir, that a person cannot move their table, even if they had challah on it, even if they had all you know, things on it that are mutter, since at the end of the day, two things. The candlesticks are worth more, and you are using the candlesticks for a Shabbos use. So how could you say that my challah is more chashev than the candlesticks? However, there are those that are meiko. Uh, we could give you, you give you a list of names. It's a very interesting halachic discussion, but it's based on this Gemara, this, uh, this Rashi, this Taisus, this Ram, on the sugya of that in Galila, the shivrei psila were worth more, so was asla tatal. However, other places you go by, the oil was worth more than the psila. And based on this, you try to figure out how do we define what is considered chashiv, what is not. So uh, that, that is a, uh, a topic based on this Gemara. Okay, now we, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. The ones were make what is the, how, can they can you put a fucking candy on there? Can you put a sitter on there? Chumash on there? What, 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 how, how make are they? 
Ah, so, so two, two things, two different questions. Like a gold watch that's worth more than the license. Okay, not everyone has such a fancy gold watch, uh, Yoni. So. Well, and usually they forget to put it on. So some people, some women will put their rings on the tray. So I don't want to get into all the halacha lamaisa because there's a lot more opinions to go through. But let's just say there's two different shilas here. One shila is the table itself. So the table, it's normal to put challah on the table. So some of the players can say, since it's the normal use to put challah on the table, and to me, that's more chashev, that's a more chashev use that if I had a choice, challah or candles, that's one opinion. Some say challah is more important. How could you have Shabbos without challah? It's, it's a, many hold it's a mitzvah deraisa of eating of three sudas. Halakas neir Shabbos is not a chiyav deraisa. Um, additionally, some want to say that when the muksa item, when the non-muksa has a use for Shabbos, we don't really care about the muksa item. We don't care if the muksa item is also useful on Shabbos. We care about the non-muksa item. As long as the non-muksa item is a Shabbos use, that itself makes it more chashiv. Different opinions. Then there's another shayla. The other shayla is on the actual tray, putting something on the tray. So there, even the poskim that are making on the table, like our Moshe Feinstein, he was machmer on the tray. He said that it doesn't work. That's a harama. Who puts, uh, who puts rings on a tray? You know, chala goes on the table. Putting rings on the tray, that's just a harama of alma. That's not really uh, going to help it out. However, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky Zetzal was Mako, of Shmuel Kamenetsky uh, brings in the Sefer Kovetz Halachos. I think he says that it depends how you learn the muksa status of the candlesticks. If you learn the candlesticks, it's not really muksa, it's only muksa because of the flame. The flame is not really worth that much. All right, a, a, lot, a lot to discuss. So uh, again, two different shilas. The shilas on the, on the uh, table, shila on the actual tray. This usually comes up sukkis because you know, during the year, many people, they leave the dining room table as is, you know, over Shabbos, over Yantif. Sukkah's time, let's say you did bring your leichter out to your table, which sounds like a good idea. You're, you're lighting in covered Yantif, so don't you need your, your, your now, for Yantif, you're able to move it. covered Shabbos, let's say Shabbos, Sukkah's, so you don't want to leave it out all night. Are you allowed to bring it in once it gets extinguished? So that's really when the Shiloh comes up. So different, different opinions. Okay. Let's keep going. So the Gemara changes gears here and goes and touches upon a subject we mentioned briefly with the wagon and the muchni, tuma tahara. So let's see. Levi bar Shmuel ashechinu Rabbi Abba v'larabhuna bar Chia. He saw Rabbi Abba, Rabbuna bar Chia, have a kamea pischa debei Rabbuna. They were standing in the entrance of Rabbuna. Amaluhu. So Levi tells them, Mahu, what's the halacha regarding this shayla? I want to lahachzir mito shel tar tar. You had this bed of these tarsium, which either means they were this uh, coppersmiths. They did some type of work, and they would go, they were freelancers go, going around from town to town, and they would look for work. So they had these portable beds. Can I, can I put it back together on Shabbos? For Shabbos. So I'm relay, shopper dummy, no problem. You're allowed to put it back. Look at the Rishonim. It means you're putting it back in a loose way. You're not tightening it. You're putting it back in in a derech refuya, in a, in a loose way. Now, what's the shaila here? The shaila here is boina. Boina is one of the lamates malachas, building something. You know, when we think of malachas hamishkan, so, lamates malachas have to do with malachas hamishkan. So, the first thing that should jump out at you is boina, <laughs> building the mishkan. That, that definitely should be one of the lamates malachas, and indeed it is. Boina is one of the lamates malachas. So the question was, is putting together this bed, one of the lamates malachas, Isser Boina, comes along, and uh, Rabbi Abba, Rav Huna, they say, shepherd dummy, no problem. 
So now he goes to Rabbi Yehuda. Now, you shouldn't do this. Don't shop around and ask Shilas. So he goes, he goes to the next rabbi. After he already got his hetter. Amr, he said, you know, So he told this to Rabbi Yehuda. And then he says, what do you mean? Rav and Shmuel both paskin that if someone who marks the Tarsim, you put it back together. But Shabbos, you're Chatos. So now, what, his question was like this. Since if I put it back together in a strong way on Shabbos, I'd be Chayev Chatos. So even if you do what Rab, Abba Rav Huna told you to do, which was to put it in, in a rough way, a loose way, there should be an Isser Durabanan. Meaning anytime you're one step away, from an Isser Daraisa, it makes sense to make it an Isser Darabanan. So we're gonna we're gonna discuss this in a few minutes. Let's say a person's glasses uh, break on Shabbos, and he wants to take a screw and he wants to screw back in. So that would be an Isser Daraisa, probably according to Moshe Shreinim, of fixing your glasses on Shabbos. My Choykes, if it's Binyan Bekalim, if it's Makkah Patish, we'll leave that for a different time. However, let's say a person decides, I'm not gonna screw it in totally, I'll put it in loose, right? So if you're one step away from an Isser Daraisa, we say there's, a, there's an Issa Durabanan. Okay, there's a little noise in the background. Okay, so there's an Issa Durabanan if you're one step away from Issa Durabanan. So they asked him like this. How could Rav Abba Rav Huna tell you it's mutter to put it back as long as you do it loose, but Rav and Shmuel hold that if you would be, be uh, if you put it back together with a strong uh, connection, it would be an Issa Durabanan. So why did they tell you it's mutter? It should at least be an Issa Durabanan. But that was the discussion. So basically, they asked the question like this. Someone puts together, puts back together a, the branches of a candelabra on Shabbos. If you remember from the previous daf, we learned that not only are you not allowed to put it back together, you're not even allowed to use it, move it on Shabbos, because if it falls apart, you're going to put it back together. And then we added, you can't even use a small candle, because you might end up using this candelabra, and if you use the candelabra, it's going to fall apart, and put it back together on Shabbos. So there's an Issa Daraisa of putting back together this candelabra on Shabbos. But a Kanasayadin, you have the painter's stick. So the painter's stick was different because that wasn't the finished product. Even after you attach the next piece, there's always more. There's always the third, the third, third story that he has to reach. So it was a straight stick that you kept adding pieces. So it wouldn't be a Chiv Daraisa because here it seems like the Issa Daraisa here is not Boina because building, maybe there's no Boina Bekelem. It's Maka Bepatish. It's finishing the product. So when a person puts together branches of a candelabra, you finish the product. It was sticks, now you got candelabra. When a person has a painter stick, so it's never done. There's always more to add. So it won't be an Issa Daraisa because you're gonna keep you know, adding extra pieces you know, as the job gets bigger. So a konasayad in the painter's stick, lo yachzir, you shouldn't do a lechatchila, vim if you put it back together, putter, it's only an Issa Daraisa, putter, but only an Issa Daraisa, putter avalaser. Rav Simoy Omar, you have a Karen Aguli, you have this, uh, you have a, a, a Agula, a round Karen, a horn. And I was talking about a type of instrument, some type of trumpet or uh, saxophone, something that you would that you put together on Shabbos. Chayv is chayv but Karen Pshuta, if it's just straight, uh, a long straight horn, then it's Pater, similar to this previous concept, that it's not Makabah Patish, because you could keep adding pieces, that's the way they were made, and it's not makabipatish. You didn't finish it, you know, at that point. You make a bigger, bigger one. However, with the round ones, at some point, there's, there's nowhere else to go. Uh, you're, back, you're, back to your, you're back to the mouthpiece already. So there's nowhere else to go. At that point, you'd be chayev e chatos. So either way, we see from here 
that by putting something back together, there is a chi of chantas. So the Gemara says, Inu da Omar ki haitana. Rab Abba Rab Huna, you're right, they don't agree to this. They argue, but this is not a question on them. They're allowed to argue because it's a machlekes in the Tanoim. Inu da Omar ki haitana. They hold like this Tana. The Tana will learn in a brisa like this. Malbanois hamita, you have the sockets of a of a bed, the karois hamita and the feet of the bed, ulavachim shel sekivas, and you have the uh, you have this bone arrow piece, this the cross the the crossbow nuts. That's what the article called the crossbow nuts of a bone arrow. So the halacha is lo yachzir. You can't put it back together on Shabbos, even if you're not going to press it in. Vim hechzir. If you put it back together, putter. Avalasser, but it's still Aser Midrabaran. Vilo Yitka, but you shouldn't uh, screw it in. Now, this this very important word. Look at Rashi, top Rashi over here, Yitka, Bechoizik al Yedei Yesedais, Shekarin Kvainish. But some, these are screws or nails. If you actually use screws and nails on Shabbos, Chayev Chatas. Okay? So if you look, in this case, the truth is, I didn't really get to this. There's, there's three different levels of attaching things together. One way is in a very loose way, right? You put it back together, but it's loose. That's the lowest level. In between level would be, middle level would be, you put it back together with pressure, and it's, you know, put together. And the highest level is when you actually nail it in. You put, you, you, you literally screw it in. You can't just pull it out. It's, it's screwed in. So, according to this first Tana, you can't stick it in bechayzik, right? And if you did it bechayzik, there's an isra Now, let's say I didn't put it in bechayzik. He's not talking about putting putting nails in it. Even squeezing it in is an isra So what do you see from there? When I squeeze it, it's an isra One step lower, which is just doing roughly loose, gzeira derabanan, because I'm one step away from isra Let's just go back one 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 uh, one step. So these three cases, lo yachazir, don't put it together, even without. Putting it together tight from Hechzer Potter. Avalas Velo Yitka Vim Taka Chay Chatos. Rab Shim Megalilamer Em Hayo Rafoi. He points this out. If Hayo Rafoi, you put it back together in a Rafoi way, in a loose way, Mutter, Obi Mutter, put it back together. So Rab Avon Rav Huna hold like Rab Shim Megamliel. And therefore, when it comes to the coppersmith's bed, as long as you're doing it Bederach Rafoi, you're not nailing it in, you're not squeezing it in, so then it will be mutter to do it. If you look at Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah brings this down in Simon Shin Yud Gimel, that this heter of rafoi, of putting it in loosely, only works when it's not typically done with, with being fastened in with nails. Let's say something is like a, a eyeglasses, or I don't know, you have, you have chairs with you know shaky legs, to screw that in, even if you're not going to screw it in tightly, according to the Ramah, it will be an Isidra Banan of roughly or the inner roughly, or that you might end up screwing it in too tightly. Shami Yitaka, that you might end up screwing it in, and therefore will be an Isidra Banan. So when am I allowed to put something in roughly? Only when it's typically not put in, uh, it's typically not put in BSA dice. That's when I'm allowed to attach it be roughly. Okay, that is the... Uh, <sighs> That is Allah here. Okay. Let's just see one more piece and then we'll discuss a, a concept, a practical application of these shilas. So Bayraf Khamahavita Gilal Gilol Nisa, they had this uh, bed that was made of, of many pieces. 
similar to these coppersmith beds, have mahajalei biyam taiva, they would bring it back. Anyantif amalei hume there. Abadam l'rava my daituch. What, what, who says you're allowed to put it back together? Do you hold it's binyan and atzadu? This is not really called binyan, it's some type of shinoi. So nehidi, suwa deraisa leka. I understand there's no isu deraisa, but I suwa derabana miyeka. There should be an isu of putting it back together. So amalei, I know karab shim megamliyo, svirlei, da amar, imhaya rafoi mutter. I hold like karab shim megamliyo. As long as I put it in a loose way, he might fall, you know, might, the bed might fall on Shabbos, but either way, he said I'm doing it only by rafoi, it is mutter to put it back together. So the question is, Let's say you have Lego or magnetiles or clicks or there's all different types of toys that adults and children use on Shabbos. So the question is, are you allowed to put them together on Shabbos? So again, if they're not usually screwed in together, so then we see clearly from this Gemara, as long as you do it roughly, it's mutter. However, anybody that plays a Lego, that's not roughly, that's, that's not screwed in, but at least it should be an Issa of of squeezing it in together. So there, there is a discussion in the Paiskim. Just to go through the halacha l'maisa, there's a few reasons why the minog is to be mekel. The chasam soifer in our chaim, I think it's in tshuva ayin beis or ayin gimel, he says that anything that's not going to last too long, there's no iser on, on Shabbos, of baina, of ksiva, all these things. Uh, and that's, that's the, the many of the poskim apply that to toys and Lego and, you know, so, so many games have this heter of the chasam soifer that it's not going to last too long. So Lego has... Many people use Legos. The kids build them. I have my kids have Legos built like for years. They're sitting there up like ships and mice and stuff. Ah, so in that case, some of the players can want to be mechalik and say that would be usher for two reasons. There might be usher al ksiva of making. Meaning that mayor shouldn't have kept them for so long. It's usher, or <laughs> I don't get involved in, uh, in 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 family feuds here. Um... <laughs> because he keeps them, now we can play with them. Because he doesn't clean up the kids' toys. I don't get it. No, so there are two types of, there's two different uses of Legos. One Lego is to put a few things together and everything falls down every five seconds. Like, you know, young children, but when a, uh, a older child makes Lego, what's it called? Lego mania? I don't know. There's a, there's whole there's television shows on Lego people. So there's, you're trying to make a, a, a image. So, and if it's, you're doing it for a long time, you're going to put it on top of your, uh, I don't know, on, on, on your shelf in your room. I made this and it lasts for three years. So you did make something. You don't have the heter v'chsam soifer. It would probably only be in Isidra for different details in Hilchus Baina, but it's difficult to say. It's mutter on Shabbos. But let's say your typical, you know, young child using Lego, they put it together, it falls apart, back and forth. It's never really going to last for too long. You have the heter v'chsam soifer. There are other heterim that are invoked that Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach says that Many of these things are mutter. He says that if it's made to put, you know, open, close, that's mutter. Rav, hold on a second. One of these Sephardi Paisim, I, 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 uh, the name slips my slips me, but the, one of the Sephardi Paisim is like this. He said, what? Yeah, yeah, Rav Benzian Abishol, yes. Yes, in the Olet Tzir, Rav Benzian Abishol, thank you, Mayor. So he says that it should be no different than putting a pot cover on a pot and opening doors on Shabbos. All these things are mutter. Why are you allowed to close your door on Shabbos? Ah, you're building. Because it's made to open and close. So a pot cover, you put it on, you take it off. So he's making all these clicks, Legos. You could definitely see that by magnetiles. You know, you put it together, one kid by mistake knocks it, and then the whole, the whole game is over, you know? So that is why the minog is to be makel. But to be honest, to be intellectually honest, there are poiskim that are machmer, but I think in America, you know, come out all the poiskim are makel, and that's, that's what I would pass. If someone asked me a shayla about Legos and magnetiles, I would be machalik if, if it's going to be lasting a long time, so maybe that should be avoided on Shabbos, probably only in Issa de Rabbanon. 
but if it's if it's if it's you know done to put together, take it apart. So that would be mutter. Okay. Let's see the next Mishnah. So this is the final Mishnah of this uh, classic parak of Parakira. So we brought this Mishnah earlier, so let's just review it. You could take a plate, a bowl, and you could put it underneath a candle to catch the sparks. But don't put water into this cup. If you put water into the cup and the sparks are going to land on it, there's a problem. By doing that, you're extinguishing the sparks. Okay? So, let's see. So the Gemara says, How are you allowed to put a plate down by the fire and the sparks are going to land on the plate? Aren't you being mevata kli mechana? You're taking this plate, which was a good plate for a herring, and now, now this plate is stuck with these sparks. I cannot use it on Shabbos. Isn't that a problem of mevata kli mechana? So I'm going to have one of my We had this before. That itzaitzos, there's no mamish to it. And halachically, that is not a problem of Muksa, which is a very interesting halacha, that if something has no mamashas to it, it's not muksa. There's a chazanish at Paskins. Let's say you have a little bit of a feather or something on your jacket on Shabbos. So that's not muksa. You let it knock it off. Take it off with your hands. Why? Because it's aimed by mamash. There's nothing to it that is not a problem of muksa. The next part. Then the Mishnah finished off. You should not put water into this bowl that you're going to put near the fire because it's going to extinguish the flames. So Let's say that this Tanan is like Rabbi Yossi. The Omar, Rabbi Yossi said later on, there's a famous Mishnah in Shabbos of Kovchav, which says that, let's say, uh, there's a fire on Shabbos. Now, there's a fire on Shabbos that is not... Um, that is not uh, uh, controlled, halacha is that there's a shail of pikuach nefesh based on your know, electricity, you know, wires going through the house, and a person should do, should get it, get rid, you know, do kibway as soon as possible. Don't ask a shaila. But back then, depending on the situation, or theoretically, a person could have a, a fire in a certain place, uh, and, and it wouldn't be a question of pikuach nefesh. Again, bismanazah, be very careful. But Back in the day, they had the shaila. So let's say there was a small fire. So what do you do? So the Mishnah says, you take your cup of uh, cup of water, you put it around the fire, and as the fire will come and spread, it will you know, crack open the glass, and the water will extinguish the flame. That's the sheet of the Tanakama. Abiyosi says, no, that's it. That's usur. It's a gram kiboy. You're causing, by putting water there, the fire is going to extinguish. Even though it's a grama, it's indirect. I didn't literally pour water over the, over the, uh, over the fire. But since it's a grama, even though it's a grama, it's still usher. So it sounds like over here, our mission is saying you can't put a cup of water underneath the flame because when the flame, when the sparks go, it's going to extinguish. Isn't that? So that sounds like it's gram kiboy, and we're being machmer. It's usher. So lema tan stomach kerab yosi. Damar gram goyrim lekiboy is usher. So the gemara says v'tizbara. You're going to think that our Mishnah is like Rabbi Yossi. Amor, Dhamma Rabbi Yossi. When did Rabbi Yossi say you can't do this cup system of putting it around the fire? That's Bashabis. That's on Shabbos itself. This, but Be'erev Shabbos. If a person did a Be'erev Shabbos, let's say a person has a fire going Be'erev Shabbos and he wants to put things around it. Rabbi Yossi has no problem with that. We know there's no problem of putting things before Shabbos around it. Me, Omar, did Rabbi Yossi say it's also v'chitim ha'chanami b'Shabbos? And if you want to say our Mishnah is also discussing Shabbos, you're not allowed to put a plate to catch the nitzaytus on Shabbos with water. V'atani, there's a brayse. This is b'feirish. Not like that. The brayse says noisin kli tachas haner lekabon nitzaytus b'Shabbos. You could put a kli tachas haner to catch the uh, sparks on Shabbos. And terachlan or barrel Shabbos trigger to on a Friday. But v'lo itin l'soichem mayim. Don't put water inside this plate. 
מפני שהוא מחבר, because it's going to extinguish, that's even may Erev Shabbos, even on Erev Shabbos you cannot do it. Vein Tzorech Loim Erev Shabbos, and for sure you cannot do it on Shabbos. You see, you're not even allowed to do this Erev Shabbos. The Gemara says, Elam Aravashi, Afilitim Rabbanon, this could also be the Rabbanon, that really Gram Kiboy is Mutter. You're allowed to do the, the cups of water around the fire on Shabbos. Shani here is different. Here, there's an Isid Rabbanon, because in Nisha Mekarivas Kiboyai, since the flame was going to hit the table, by you putting water there, you made it go earlier, if you did it on Shabbos, there would be an Isser of being Mechabe on Shabbos. Since it would be an Isser of doing it on Shabbos, we don't allow you to do it even Arab Shabbos. The Paiskim and the, and the Rishonim are bothered by this. What exactly is this Gram Kiboy? So Rashi says that, if you look at Rashi, Rashi, look at Ella Amar Ravashi. So Rashi says, Dahasam Kimadi Deleka Lekelem Telekhu Tepakalu Vagrama Ba'amahu When, when, the case in the Mishnah where there's a fire and you put surrounded uh, the fire with containers. So when the fire reaches the container, so the fire knocks out the container, and then uh, the water will extinguish it. He himself with the water is actually extinguishing the fire. It's very hard to differentiate between the two. Uh, to be honest, it's, it's very difficult to, to, to see the difference. Some of the Rishonim learn that if, that if a person was busy with the water in the cup, he might do that on Shabbos. And if you're putting it down on Shabbos, so then the fire, there might be a spark flying off the flame on Shabbos. And if you're handling it on Shabbos and you put the water down, so right at that point, you just did grumma. You did, you did, sorry, you did kiboy with the water. You had your hand of a cup of water and the spark was in the air, you're moving it, boom, you just did uh, kiboy. So don't even do it Arab Shabbos because you might end up doing it on Shabbos. So that's the, uh, that's the I guess that's the most uh, you know, acceptable shot to understand why there would be a gzera of putting a cup of water before Shabbos next to the flame up to something you're going to do on Shabbos. Either way, Hadron Allah, Kira. So this was a, uh, a fascinating parak. So many halacha lemaisa applications. So Baruch Hashem, able to go through it. Hadron Allah, Kira. So we'll start tomorrow the next parak of Bamet Taimnin.